Tylee! Okay, uh, I got a couple questions for you. Okay. All right. Do you think spankings are fun? No. No? <laughs> Naya, do you think spankings are fun? No. No? Okay. Uh, do you like them? It's not a trick question. Do you yes. like... Yes. You like spankings? Well... Naya, do you like spankings? Again, no. Yeah, same. You do? Why do you like spankings? Because it teaches you a lesson. Okay. Well, that's not the answer that I was expecting. So, why did you say that you like spankings? Do you, do you mean that you are glad that you get spankings? Is that what you mean? You're glad that your mom and dad give you spankings? Yeah. But you you don't actually like them. You don't like getting the sting on your mm -hmm. butt, right? No. No. Okay. But you understand why we give them to you? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Okay. All right. Well, thanks, kid. <laughs> Kids. To glorify God on purpose. I'm your host, Matt Adams, and I am an intentional Christian. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining me this morning. If I'm on your commute with you in the car, thank you for taking the time and effort it takes to get this arranged ahead of time to actually listen to it. <laughs> And I hope you're blessed by it. If it's in the morning, I hope that you will be encouraged through the rest of your day. If it's in the evening and you're coming home from work or something, hey, I hope that it encourages you to love your family well and do the things you're doing this evening well. Yeah, so today I wanted to talk about a verse that gets misused all the time. Uh, people use it to generalize an entire population of people. In fact, they even lump in the entire world into this verse when it is only written to Christians. It only applies to Christians, and it even says that in the verse. But, you know, cut off a little portion of that verse and then use the other little portion to say whatever you want, and hey, you can use it to encourage even the worst of heathens. Not sure why you would want to do that, but you could. And they do. <laughs> Let's look at it. It is Romans 8. And I just had it up here, Romans 8. So Paul is talking to the Romans, obviously, here. And we just take this one little verse and we pull it out of this whole section that he's talking about that is so good. So let's start up at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Okay? <laughs> I'm just going to like pick this apart a little bit. Okay? The sufferings of this present time. Are you suffering? Are you going through trials? Are things crumbling around you? Is your boss a jerk? Okay? 
we go through all of this life together. You know, uh, it rains on the believer and unbeliever alike, right? I have had a very difficult week at work. It has been, to say the least, one of the most difficult weeks I've had in a very long time. Also, my dad has cancer, and that has been very difficult on our family recently. Uh, We've been all, you know, struggling through that. So we have health issues, job issues, money issues. By no means is my family rolling around in like silos full of gold coins like uh, what was that guy? Uh, Scrooge McDuck or whatever on DuckTales. I just remember him always like like surfing on waves of gold coins. Yeah, that's not happening in my family. Uh, and I know you guys are going through the same things. I'm not unique whatsoever. And in fact, I may have it better according to the world's standards than some of you. I may have it way worse. Some of you might be on cloud nine right now. Some of you might be dealing with even divorce or a death in the family. So we are all going through these things as people, as humans living in the world. Well, let's continue. Uh, Yeah, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected, subjected to futility. Not willingly. Were you willingly subjected to futility? No, you weren't. But because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but ourselves. He's comparing all the suffering that the the that the world goes through that the creation goes through you know um you know lions eating lambs whatever you whatever you want to say and he's saying we go through that we have this same battle we have the same sufferings and it's day in it's day out we're looking for food we're working hard we're beating our bodies uh and and that's tiring i'm going to skip a little bit So he says that that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. I can relate to that. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings. Yep. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The will of God. Okay? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Let me say that again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It doesn't say if you have X amount of faith, then everything's going to work together for your good. Or if you have no faith, it's all going to fall apart. No, that is not what he is saying. That is a complete heresy. He is saying Those of you who love God, all things are working together for your good. Creation is everything. God is um, aligning things and doing things in your workplace, in your family, in your church, in your life uh, for your good. Now, that's, that's exciting, okay? That's 
that is amazing to think about. The other place that it gets really confusing or the world twists it, American Christianity twists it, is they say they they set this definition of good that is based on the world's definition of good. You know, so if you're doing well and succeeding at your job, you're doing good. If you get lots of money, you are doing good. If you're driving a new car, you're doing good. If you're not struggling with depression, you're doing good. This is not the good that he is talking about here. He's talking about God's definition of good. Let's just continue, okay? So then he says, for those who are called according to his purpose, right? His purposes are good. His purposes are whatever he has decided. And whatever God has decided is the best thing because he is the best thing, okay? For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Here is, he's kind of giving us the definition of what's good right now. The image of his son. That is absolute perfection. He's saying, I have predestined you, you, person, right now, Christian, fellow believer. God has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, Isn't that amazing? That is so powerful. And that is the best thing. That is a good thing. That's when we say, when he says, all things are working together for your good, he's saying, all things are working together to make you more like Christ. If you love me. If you love me. How do we know if we love God? 1 John. Read 1 John. He describes how do we know if we love God. And then he says here. And by here, I kind of interchange. (laughs) I interchange uh, the pronoun he because it could be Paul. It could be John. It could be God. (laughs) Because God is saying this to us through Paul and John. So I apologize if you're confused. Okay. God is saying that he predestined you. To be conformed to the image of his son. That is good. That is his definition of good here. And then it goes on. I To skip just slightly ahead to verse 30. And those whom he predestined, that would be the believers. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Think about that for a second. That's past tense. That is not future tense. He's not saying those who have enormous faith or do all the right things or work really hard, he's going to really help out and conform to the image of his son and you do some and I'll do some and you know it's not synergistic this is God talking here he is saying what he has already done it's over he predestined it before the foundations of the world Ephesians says before the world was made these things took place verse 30 
those who he predestined. Past tense. Those whom he called. Past tense. Okay, he's not saying, I've called everyone. We can't understand that. That's a mystery that God has decreed, he has declared, he has chosen to work this way in human history in the world. We don't understand, but it is clear those who he called. He called people. He also justified. Did he justify everyone? No, he didn't. This verse doesn't work if you try to make it about everyone. It's not about everyone. It's about those who love God, those who have been called. He also justified, and those who he justified, he also glorified. From here, from salvation on to eternity, we're on a journey, and we're going in the trajectory of heaven. We're becoming more like his son. He is making you more like his son today than yesterday. It doesn't feel like it all the time. Sometimes, you know, it's like probably like two steps forward, one step back. But the difference about a Christian faith, a true religion, people who actually love God, is that they will continue to take those steps forward. People who are putting on a front, people who are faking it, who... Maybe they don't even know they're not saved. They've they've been told a false gospel and they believe a false gospel and they hold on to that false gospel. Those people might look like they're continuing and succeeding and doing well and being treated good for a short time, but it will not continue. It will end. That's what I love about this verse is that it is specifically To me, it's specifically to you, those who love God. All things, that struggle that you're going through, that decision you're trying to make, um, losing your job, being laid off, all of that stuff. Your child being born with a disease. You know, my daughter was born, one of my daughters was born without a kidney, a functioning kidney, if she, if she loves God later, if God has called her and I'm praying that he has and I'm praying that he will adopt her, then that kidney struggle is going to be with her the rest of her life and it's going to build up her faith in God. It's going to work towards her good. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be really complicated and weird and she's not going to understand it sometimes and she might be frustrated with it sometimes and she's not going to be able to eat some sort of food that her friends might be able to eat. She might not be able to play hockey if her friend wants to play hockey. And that's going to be confusing. But over time it's going to build character and perseverance and her reliance on God in everything, knowing that she is slightly more fragile than you and I. Hey, we're all going to die. That's not a question, right? We are all going to die. But she has a disadvantage already. She only has one kidney, and that's going to force her 
to rely more on Christ than you and I would. And that's a good thing. That's just a small example. But like, let's talk, let's go back to my kids. You know, uh, I, at the beginning of this, you know, asking if they like spankings and I know I kind of set them up and, and they're, (laughs) they do frequently give the Sunday school answer. And, uh, I asked her, I, I, I cut this part out at the end, but I said, why do you like spankings? And she says, my oldest says, well, because it teaches us to glorify God. I was like, yeah, thank you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, they're good kids. But it's true. And and that is the ultimate reason that I give them spankings is because I want them to understand godly good authority. I want them to understand when they do something wrong, there's a consequence. I want to train them and mold them into people who are soft and tender-hearted, okay? That's, that's what spanking does. It, it breaks us down of our own will, our own struggle, our own selfishness, and it helps us to see that there's something bigger than us and that we're not in control of everything. And when we use that and we actually... Uh, use that in a very positive, training, uh, meaningful way, it does not produce rebellion. I, I have never seen spanking done to the glory of God produce rebellion. Spanking done in anger? Absolutely. Spanking done without a reason or the kid not knowing what's going on? Yes. But as a training tool, it is very successful, and that's why God has ordained the rod. Spare the rod, spoil the child, right? Anyway, I say that to say that I am trying to work everything for their good. I don't want them to get burned on the stove, so I give them a smaller consequence now for disobeying me that teaches them in the future, not to touch the stove when it's on fire, you know, and then they burn their whole hand or their face or something like that, right? So I, that's the purpose of spanking, I am working things together for her good, for my daughter's good. She might not understand it all the time. You might not understand the difficulties that you're going through right now. But believer, be strong in your faith. Love God. We might not always feel like we love God. It's not about an emotion. But love him. Put your hope and trust in him. Know that he is working all things together for your good. 